You know, on this season of the Brown Girls Guide, I've had so much fun talking to powerful women of color who are changing the face of our democracy at every level. We must continue to see women of color become elected officials, from council members to mayors to state legislators and beyond. Our sponsor, Act Blue, plays a critical role in supporting that trend. ActBlue's online fundraising platform helps level the playing field by helping more candidates, like more women of color, run for office. And they help you identify and support progressive campaigns and organizations of all sizes, from local races to national ones. And guess what? You don't need a ton of money to make an impact. AdBlue makes it easy for small dollar donors to contribute at any level in just a few clicks. Listen, no dollar amount is too big or small when it comes to preserving democracy. So go to actblue.com slash directory to find candidates and causes to give to. And follow ActBlue on Instagram at actblueorg and on Twitter and Facebook at actblue to keep up with the latest in grassroots fundraising. Welcome back, Brown Girls. It's Ashanti, the host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics. As you know, this season is all about trailblazers, and today's guest definitely fits the bill. We're speaking with Sadaf Jaffer. She broke barriers as the first Asian American woman and the first Muslim American to be sworn into the New Jersey General Assembly. Before that, as Mayor of Montgomery Township, She was also the first South Asian woman to serve as mayor in New Jersey and the first Muslim woman to serve as a mayor in the United States. And just so we're clear, she's also Dr. Jaffer, a postdoc research associate in South Asian studies at Princeton University. Sadaf has made a huge impact on her community by leading through the pandemic and starting initiatives she's brought with her to the state level. Sadaf talked to me about the importance of making politics accessible to diverse communities, motivating young voters, and her biggest lesson so far. Don't let your opponents distract you from your message. I hope you enjoy this episode. Sadaf, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm doing well. Really excited to be here. I'm just so thrilled to have you here you know, I just love and adore you. You are so amazing in every single way. And I'm just glad that the BGG community is going to get the opportunity to know you and all of the wonderful work that you have done. But let's first dive into what put you on this trajectory to be an advocate, an elected official. What was it that drove this passion inside of you? So I was always interested in public service. I went to the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown. I thought I wanted to go into diplomacy. But then I became very interested in my studies, particularly on South Asia and Muslim societies. And I decided to pursue a PhD. So I was in academia. I was pursuing my PhD. And then towards the end of my PhD program, I started thinking about what I was going to do after I was done. And I actually started looking towards local government because I saw that I just want to not just complain about things. I want to actually change them if I see something that needs to be changed. And I could see that my values 
that I had really only thought and learned about in terms of national politics or international politics could and should make an impact in local politics and in the state as well. So I started thinking about it, but I never had known anyone who'd run for office. And it was just this idea in my head. And usually when I have a crazy idea, I just start telling people about it and I put it out in the world. And so I was talking to a friend of mine. She was asking me what I was going to do after I was done with my PhD. And I said, well, I've been thinking about running for office, don't know anything about it. And she told me about Emerge and I Googled it and it was starting in New Jersey. So I applied and within a few weeks, I had done an interview and gotten into the program. And that program really gave me the nuts and bolts understanding of how to connect to a state party or a county party or municipal party and gave me the confidence so that when I was campaigning for someone for Congress and I was asked to run in my local election, I could say, okay, yeah, you know, I told Emerge that I was going to run within the next three years and had made a commitment to actually run. And so here's my opportunity to do so. So I say that because I think We can have passions, we can have interests, but it's so important for underrepresented groups, especially to have formal training and mentorship programs, because we don't have the informal networks that those who've Mm -hmm. traditionally been in power have. So that was very, very important for me. And, you know, I was asked to run locally. I didn't win my first time as a write-in. The second time I ran on the ballot and I won my seat, becoming the first Democrat in several years and the only one at that time. And then over the course of the next two years, my party took over the majority and I became the mayor. And then this opportunity opened up to run for state legislature. And again, people from the community approached me and said that they thought I would be a good representative for them. So I decided to pursue that opportunity as well. And now I'm in the state legislature in New Jersey. So you're a trailblazer. This season is all about trailblazers. So for you to become the first Muslim woman mayor in the country. You're now one of the first Asian women, first Muslim women in the New Jersey state legislature. And I know we've had lots of conversations just about being women of color, running for office, and then also your Muslim faith. So can you Mm -hmm. tell everyone just what that experience has been like, you know, running in New Jersey, which does have diversity, but we still always encounter all of that ignorance, I'm going to say, around faith. Yes. What has that been like? I did mention, obviously, when I was running that I thought it was important to include diverse voices. And our town has, you know, a significant Asian American population. But I was often asked, you know, why, considering that we have you know, maybe 30 to 40% Asian Americans in our town, why aren't they involved in politics? And my response to that was, if you don't see anyone who looks like you in a particular space, that gives the message that, you know, maybe you don't belong there. Mm -hmm. And I certainly have felt that in meetings when I would go like, okay, there's no one like me here. Mm -hmm. When I did get that opportunity and I won my seat, there were people who were skeptical, I guess, um, that, oh, you know, are people going to vote for an Asian American woman? Okay, you're Asian American, but you're Muslim. Are people who are not Muslim going to vote for a Muslim candidate? And my response to that is that I'm not that cynical. I don't think that people are that close-minded and will never vote for someone who's different than them. I think that you need to approach the voters respectfully and just give your message what you're planning to do for the community and that 
that's what voters are looking for, someone to engage with and someone who is going to have their best interests at heart and shares common values with them. So those are the things that I focused on and being present in the community. And I think that that's really what spoke to people, that I was at all the community events and I was visible, I was responsive, I would answer questions. So that is what led to my victory. And it wasn't until I was about to become mayor that people started asking oh, has there ever been a South Asian American woman mayor in the country? And there had, but never in New Jersey. And has there ever been a Muslim woman mayor? And people started kind of digging around and there there hadn't been. And I was very nervous because I saw the negative attention that people like Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar have mm-hmm. gotten at the congressional level. And it was nerve wracking to think about that sort of attention coming to me from nefarious actors or those who wouldn't be happy to see this victory. But I think I grew in my comfort with it as there were news stories. And I think especially as I saw how important it was for community members to see this representation. And when I would go to events, I remember I spoke at a mosque at one of their career seminars and I was talking about public service. And then I had parents bringing their daughters up afterwards saying, oh, you know, she's a mayor. You know, you could be a mayor Mm -hmm. someday. And I saw how important that was for people. And so I've always tried to make myself as available as I can for different mentorship programs, for events, for panels, if somebody just has a question. Because as I was saying earlier, our communities are new to having this type of power and having this sort of understanding of how the political system works. So I'm happy to spread that knowledge. But I also saw the practical implications of it in the course of my service. So For example, during the pandemic, someone approached me and let me know that undocumented members of our community were afraid to go to the food pantry and get the food aid that they needed because they thought that there might be immigration enforcement done or something. And so we arranged for staff members to deliver food aid to people if they were worried about coming in. And I raised this at a call that I was on with a number of other mayors. And some of them were kind of incredulous. They said, oh, well, why do they need to be scared? And I've never heard this. Why are you hearing this? And it wasn't until that moment that I realized that this group of mayors that I was regularly speaking to were all white Mm -hmm. and were not (laughs) immigrants. So Mm -hmm. again, those communities would feel more comfortable approaching me and letting me know about this issue. Similarly, we saw a rise in domestic violence over the course of the pandemic. It's a perennial problem, but definitely exacerbated. And I had women from different racial and ethnic backgrounds approach me, let me know that they were experiencing domestic violence and that I would try to get them the resources that they needed and also make sure that our communications through the regular township communications included that information. And again, it was a very humbling experience because I thought to myself, if there was a man serving as mayor of this community, would they feel comfortable approaching him and letting them know that they were experiencing domestic violence? Maybe. But I think it seems more likely that seeing me and feeling that comfort level, they could come to me and and ask for the help that they needed. And those, to me, are the examples that show why it's so important that our government be representative, because we all bring our histories, our families, our communities to our roles. And then people also see themselves reflected and feel a comfort level in approaching with the issues that are truly facing them. Now, actually being in the position, I've seen how important it is even more. And that's why when a position opened up to run for assembly and people started approaching me to do it, and I tried to start doing some research, and I realized that there'd never been an Asian American woman in the legislature 
which is shocking in a state like New Jersey that has a 10% Asian American population. That definitely motivated me. In addition to wanting to bring my local expertise and all my values, that was an additional level of why it was so important to do it now. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. If the last few years have taught us anything, it's that life can be messy. And yes, that includes our very own democracy. But we have also learned that when we come together, we have the chance to turn a mess into a movement. We did it at the ballot box in 2020, and we can do it again in 2022. That's why Fair Fight Action is doubling down on its efforts to protect your freedom to vote so we can continue making progress on everything from access to health care, reproductive justice, protecting our planet, and preserving our freedom to just be. Visit fairfight.com today to learn more about the important elections at stake in 2022 and how you can be part of the movement to ensure all of our voices are heard. And back to my conversation with Sadaf. You campaigned last year, you won, and you were campaigning during a pandemic, which we know adds just an entirely different layer to campaigning. This was interesting for us. We literally trained the women to run a certain way. And then we're like, okay, and here's new things we didn't talk about because we didn't train you during a pandemic. So what was that experience like having that extra burden of, ooh, now everything's different? Well, I mean, I had served as mayor during the pandemic for one year. So I was quite used to kind of the Zoom meetings and when numbers are low, having outdoor events or kind of gauging people's comfort. We just went with the flow, expect the unexpected and realize you might have an event and maybe there's a spike at that time and people don't feel comfortable coming out and you need to kind of find locations where you can be outdoors, but also making sure that we did have Zoom events too, but not too many because people also had Zoom fatigue. fatigue. So (laughs) trying to balance all of that out, we just adjusted. And I think there is a sense that we're all in this together. It is what it is. It's (laughs) It's been a long journey now that we've been in this pandemic and I think in a way, it's made it even clearer to people why it's important to vote. So I think you just adjust your focus, your methods, and also the issues that you're raising with community members based on what's taking place. And we all know COVID's the most major thing that's been taking place in all of our lives for the past several years. And now you are serving in the state legislature what has that been like to go from being mayor to being in the state house with so many new colleagues, so much more stuff to learn? Tell us about the experience and anything exciting and cool that you've already been working on. For a good while, my town was really the center of my universe. And I was involved in the nitty gritty of every sort of community event, everything that was going on locally. Over the course of the campaign, I started meeting more people from throughout the state, party leaders and other community leaders. And yes, it was a whole new world in terms of statewide issues and legislation that we could think about. It's really empowering because 
I would say as a local leader, you think about certain limits on what you can do. You know, a lot of the issues that we face are not just specific to a town. So it's hard to solve them within just the governance of that town. But now that I'm at the state level, we can kind of maybe think bigger. How are we going to try to make sure that women from under-resourced communities get what they need in the maternal child health care world. And that's a issue that I've been meeting with a lot of advocates on, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. And I'm very happy with the committees that I've been assigned to, which really do align with my interests. So I've been assigned to the health, education, and state and local government committees. And on the health side, I've already been working on passing legislation that will make contraception access more easily accessible somewhere that connects both health and education. I'm really dedicated to increasing mental health resources in the school districts. And so I've introduced this Purple Ribbon Schools program that will give a designation to schools that have high investment in mental health resources for their students. So those are some of the exciting things that we're starting to work on. But I'm also really honored to be able to listen to the community about what they're hoping to see and what issues they're facing and then be that voice for them. You're just such a great advocate for your community, for people across New Jersey, but especially for young people. And you've just done so much work to get young people, you know, involved and supporting them. Even as your time as mayor, you had your youth leadership council. Tell us a little bit about why that is a passion for you to make sure that you're building up the next generation. And I always feel it's so important to ask this question is because you actually don't see it a lot. But when you do see it, it's with the women who are the ones who are making that investment. There are various reasons for this. One is that just over the course of my public service, I've gotten to meet a lot of the youth leaders, and I've just loved working with them. They're so passionate. They really think long term, you know, because all of the decisions that we're making now are going to impact them for many decades. And they still have an optimism. I think what bothers me sometimes about grownups is that some of us are just very cynical. And I understand mm -hmm. that because a lot of people have been through struggles and that, you know, leads them to feeling like maybe things can't change. But also that means that we've given up and we can't, we have to keep fighting and people, activists and elected officials for generations before us have fought for us to have the rights that we have. And it's not a perfect society, but we can only make it better by putting that effort in. And so I am always enthusiastic after meeting with young people because they are willing to do that. But also I think that there has been this gap in interest among young people in politics. Because if you go to political meetings, the average age is quite a lot older than me. <laughs> so I think that that <laughs> is not sustainable because as we were talking about, mm -hmm. it's really important to have a representative government and you need people from different backgrounds, different age groups to be involved to represent those people's interests and those people's concerns. And so I think we'll have a much stronger democracy if we do have high levels of participation from young people, if they do understand the nitty gritty. As I said, I didn't know the first thing about it before I did emerge because I just knew the DNC. Right. <laughs> I didn't even realize there was a there was a county party and a state party and a municipal party I could connect to very locally. So if that was the case for me, I'm sure that's the case for other people. But it takes that exposure to kind of plant that seed that, oh, 
I can go to a municipal meeting. I can go to my city council meeting. And if I care about something, I can go speak during public comment or I can submit a letter and something can make a difference. Politics is not something that's outside any of us and being done by some people over there. And I think in a lot of our minds, that's how it's presented in the media or like these insiders are doing X, Y, Z. But that can only happen if we Mm -hmm. let them do it, because ultimately that's the beauty of our democratic system. If enough of us get together and say we want things to change, they will have to change. And my other career is in academia. And there was a student from Princeton University who was interviewing me. And she asked me, you know, as a woman of color in politics and academia, those are two traditionally white men dominated fields. What is that like? (laughs) And I said that actually, in a way, politics is easier because If you have the votes, you win. In that sense, it's very transparent. How hard it is to get the votes or difficult or whatever the obstacles, sure, those are there. But ultimately, if you have the votes, you win. So I think that that is very empowering, but it means that we need to get as many voices, especially young voices involved as possible. And we've seen a real increase in engagement from young people in Montgomery and even just them understanding how these different levels of government work and how they can get involved. And it's not something that some people over there are doing. Any of us can be empowered to participate. It's so true. A few years ago, a mayor of a different city was talking and she was saying all the young people were just like, I just feel that the older people are always getting the things that they want. And she said, I said to them, they're the ones always showing up at the city council meetings. Mm -hmm. They're the ones always there advocating for themselves. And she's like, you all need to be the ones there advocating for yourself because also you're going to be in the city a lot longer than these Mm -hmm. people. Like they're getting older. And she said after that, more of them like started coming when they realized, okay, if they're showing up, then I should show up too. So it all goes back to, we all have to use our voice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sadav, I've enjoyed having you. Before we let you go, share with the BGG community one of your key lessons learned. People will try to distract you from your message. Oh, yeah. From what your vision is, from what your mission is. And they'll just throw things at you that are random, they're lies, they're misrepresenting you. But the important thing is for you to always stay on your message. And you need to ignore that because the more attention you give to it, it just can grow and grow. People don't want to get into mudslinging or this is true or this is not true. What they really want to hear is what you can do for them, what as an elected official you can do for them. But I'm sure this applies in other fields as well, that people who are threatened by you or they don't want you to succeed, they want to throw you off message. And so they'll kind of do weird things or or put weird messages out there. But as long as you stay on message, that's really what's going to resonate with people because that's what they're going to remember. So I would just say, always be true to what your mission is, your value is, your message is. And at the end of the day, no matter what happens, at least you'll know that you presented what you thought was important and that you put forward a message that whether you win or lose will continue. And that would be my one thing that I've learned along this journey. Mm, that is such a key lesson to share. Sadav, thank you so much. And I know I can't wait to see what future trails that you're going to blaze because I know you're really just getting started. Thank you so much.
Be true to what your mission is. Your values are your messages. In leadership, hate, misinterpretation, and flat-out lies are things we all have to deal with. It's something that unfortunately comes with the territory. It's important to stay grounded and true to yourself when this happens, especially in politics. At the end of the day, the only thing we can truly control is ourselves and how we respond when facing an onslaught of character attacks that are far from who we are and what we stand for. One of the things that I constantly center while doing this work is my why. Why wake up every day and do something that is going to cause people to question your motives, spread rumors, and straight up attack you? Why? Because this work is important. And if it wasn't important, there would be no attacks. And this work is not about me. It's about us and continuing to move the needle forward on representation for women of color who face countless setbacks, challenges, and adversities every single day. So in conclusion, live each day centering your values and your why. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. For more information on the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, you can check us out at www.thebgguide.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The BG Guide. The Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast is produced by Wonder Media Network, and you can find them at wondermedianetwork.com. I'm so excited for our next episode, a bonus roundtable conversation from our sponsor, Act Blue. I'll be joined by Danny Sigwalt, Executive Director of Power Shift Network, Christine Nobis from Great Plains Action Society, and Act Blue's very own Erica Nash. Until next time, Brown Girls. Hey, BGG fam. We have another podcast we think you would like from a fellow brown girl. Ever thought about changing the world? It's no small task, but it can be done even by me and you. From WBEZ Chicago, Art of Power is a weekly podcast hosted by award-winning journalist Arthi Shahani. Arthi has intimate, unexpected conversations with people on how they use their power to make meaningful change. She's joined by guests like President Barack Obama, who discusses redefining masculinity, and Allison Felix, the most decorated Olympian in U.S. track and field history, who talks about being a mom who had to hide her pregnancy in a very painful and instructive journey. Each episode surprises listeners with genuine and candid conversations with the guests. You'll leave each week feeling inspired as she synthesizes the conversations into power lessons you can use in your daily life. From changing your career to starting an inspiring project, you'll be even more ready to take on your own big, bold goals. Listen today to learn how you can flip the script and use your voice and your power to change the world. Art of Power, listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Anita Hill. You probably know me, or think you do. In the past 60 years, I've seen massive social gains for women and people of color. I've been at the forefront. Here's the thing. 
This progress didn't happen by chance. It was made. Made by hard work, sometimes life-threatening work. And it was made by everyday people making everyday choices. But there are still social inequalities that keep me up at night. My new podcast, Getting Even, is about equality and what it takes to get there. We're reflecting on how we looked outside the lines, broke the rules, and forged our own paths to equality. Listen to Getting Even on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Listen.